just had breakfast. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom Podcast. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. Good emotional health involves balance in many different areas. In this episode, we're going to be talking about balance, balance in our thinking, especially when it comes to striking a balance between accepting ourselves or others as they are or as we are and holding ourselves to firm expectations. Doesn't that seem kind of contradictory right there? Accepting ourselves as we are and holding ourselves to firm expectation. Where's the line? Do you know? We're also going to talk about what healthy people use to make decisions in their lives. It ain't their feelings. So if it's not their feelings... What is it that they use? That's going to be a very brief but very interesting discussion. But first we have to do the disclaimer and musical introduction. Don't go anywhere. I'm Brian Barnett. I'm just a regular guy. I'm not a doctor. I have no legal license in any field of psychology. But I did live a large part of my life with borderline personality disorder unknowingly. And... I really did rid myself of the disorder completely and permanently. Through that, I've become an expert on issues involving emotional health. I accept no responsibility whatsoever for your feelings, thoughts, behaviors, decisions, and actions, including your decision to watch or listen to this show at all. But I do hope you might benefit yourself from the insights I share. Greetings, everybody. Here we are at the end of the year. How are you doing? Are you busy? Are you traveling? Are you preparing or packing to travel? The end of the year is always uh, this was like a mad dash at the end of the year to get everything into place before the year ends. And so uh, I have been pretty swamped. There's a combination of things that have swamped me. Time change, that always sets, it messes up my schedule for weeks. Getting sick, I had the flu for two solid weeks. Then the holidays come, and that messes everything up because you're trying to sandwich and fit things in between other things. And then you got the end of the year. We just experienced the winter solstice. And so I'm, I'm happy about that. It means the days are going to start getting longer because these really short days, daylight hours, they get to a person after a while, don't they? Breakfast. I just had breakfast and... I feel so good. I'm so grateful for that breakfast. It was two eggs, sunny side up. And then what I did was I took them off the skillet. I put them on a piece of bread. And then I put some uh, lunch meat into the skillet, let that heat up, flipped it over. And then I put a bunch of cheese on top of it and let that melt and get all gooey. And then I scooped that up and put it on top of my egg, on top of the bread, and then I put another piece of bread on top there. I had my breakfast sandwich. 
And now, this coffee tastes amazing. I don't like coffee too much while I'm having breakfast, but man, once once you get that in your belly, to sit around afterwards sipping on coffee is a it's a good deal, I'll tell you. I miss the diner culture. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember when I'd go to work with my dad. He was a telephone man. They all the guys would meet at a diner early in the morning before they'd head out, and that was back in the day when everybody smoked could smoke in the restaurants, and you'd walk into this diner. It was just like a curtain of smoke. You'd have to like wade through to get to your table. And all these uh, hard workers, these blue collar guys would be sitting around jawing, the, chewing the fat, having their coffee, some of them smoking their cigars or cigarettes or pipes even. And uh, I miss that. I, I don't like cigarette smoke. <laughs> Anybody, any of you know, who know me know that I don't like cigarette smoke. But... I can't say that I hated that ambiance. That ambiance was really nice. Do you have any resolutions for the new year? I'm curious about what sorts of things you folks would like to do differently in the upcoming year. Have you even thought about it? I'll share some of mine with you. I'd like to lose a few pounds. I've been eager to do that for the past three weeks, four weeks. But uh, being realistic about the thing, I said, what's the point of even getting started? I, I might as well wait until after the holidays. So uh, <clears throat> there's that. I'd like to lose a few pounds. I'd like to start eating in a more disciplined way. So it's not just about losing weight. I'd like to just be more disciplined in the way I eat. I'd like to do more fishing. Fishing was something that I used to love when I was a kid. In my late teens, early 20s, my goodness, that was therapeutic for me. Get out in the woods uh, all by myself around a pond or a lake in the evenings during the golden hour, just that hour or two right before the sun goes down, <clears throat> just being alone in nature, in a meditative state, even if I wouldn't catch anything, I didn't consider it a loss. I consider, I still considered it time really well spent. So that, and I'd like to spend less time on electronic devices, which is really difficult. You know, I'm not sure even how practical it is in today's world. I was one of the first per people that I know to completely and willingly give up reading physical books. When the electronic book, e-books started coming out, man, I was a early adapter to that. So even if I say, well, I want to read more, but I want to spend less time on my electronic devices, it's, there's a kind of a catch-22 there because I prefer to read on my electronic device. I prefer to write on my electronic device. It don't make sense anymore to, to write on physical paper because then how are you going to transfer that over to your document uh, on your phone or on your computer? Might as well just do it directly on your computer. And also, of course, my work all involves being on electronic devices. So not sure what shape or form that's going to take yet. Do you have any good movies that you've seen lately that you'd recommend? How about any good books? Every night, this is true, every night when I go to bed, the way I fall asleep is by listening to a, an audiobook. And the older I get, and the more I read, the harder it gets to find anything of value that really grabs my attention. That's the law of diminishing returns. I hear everybody always referring to the law of diminishing returns in, the, in an incorrect way. They talk about the law of diminishing returns to simply say that you get less the longer you go on. 
that's not the whole point of the law of diminishing returns. That's not what it teaches us. What it teaches us is that you have to work harder to get the same amount of t returns. So take that, for example, with my books. The more I've read, the more stories that I've encountered, the more types of writing and things that I've been exposed to. Back when I was a teenager, man, I could pull any book off a shelf. And it would be something brand new for me and interesting and something to be discovered. But the older I get and the more I've been exposed to, the harder I have to work, the harder I have to search to find books that do anything for me, you know, that are really offer anything of value or anything new. So the law of diminishing returns, got to work harder to get back the same returns. Somebody said to me the other day, I'm still getting used to not having a Last Symptom podcast episode every week. As you know, we used to do this show every week like clockwork, and now we do it every other week. And I said to this person, well, you don't have to. You don't have to get used to not having a Last Symptom podcast episode every week because we do live streams every Monday on our online community. That's over on Locals. So, it, And it's more personable because you can actually interact with me in the chat while I'm on the, your TV screen or on your device. So I can, you can interact with me directly and I can talk about the things that are really on your mind that day. So if you're interested in that, and joining us, you can either go to thelastsymptom.com, that's my website, full free and paid resources, or you can simply go to thelastsymptom.locals.com in your browser or download the locals.com app from the App Store and just search for The Last Symptom by Brian Barnett within. All right, let's get into this discussion. Discussions, plural. Healthy people don't make decisions based on feelings. What does that mean? You've heard me say that two million times. Healthy people don't make decisions based on feelings. Or the way I say it, I think, most of the time is that healthy people, we're not controlled by our feelings. So let's say that I see a sick cat out in the street, or you see a sick cat out in the street, and you take it in and nurse it back to health. Wasn't that because of my feelings? Didn't I do that because of my feelings? When I looked out the window and I saw the sick cat, and I was moved to go out, get the cat, bring it in, and nurse it back to health, didn't I do that because my feelings made me do it? The answer is not if I'm healthy. Because remember, healthy people aren't controlled or ruled by their feelings. The feelings aren't in control. The feelings aren't making a person do a thing if they're healthy. Instead, the person himself or herself is the one that's in control. And the feelings are simply contributed information to the decision-making process. But it's not like the feelings say do something and so the person has no choice but to do that thing. A healthy person is conscious of what their feelings are doing, but they're simply using it as some information for themselves arriving at an ultimate decision about how to proceed. What you doing, bud? What you guys doing? <clears throat> I 
good boys. Good boy. Good boy. Oh, look at that. Wrong camera. Wrong camera. All right. You guys hop down. You guys hop down. So to cut to the chase, if it if it ain't feelings which are causing people to, healthy people, I should say, to arrive at one decision or another, what is it? What is the thing that has motivated the person to look out the window, see the cat that's in a bad way, and then to go out, get that cat, bring it into the house, and nurse it back to health? The answer is principle. Principle. Healthy people make decisions based on principle, not based on feelings. So think about all the times and all the scenarios where you would think that feelings are what is making a person arrive at a certain decision or not, and now replace feelings with principle, and you'll begin to understand the way healthy people operate. It's interesting because if you're making decisions based on principle, a lot of times the decision will go contrary to feelings. Ah, that coffee is still so good. I'm so, so content with the food in my belly and the coffee here I'm sipping. But I am a little scatterbrained, so if that comes through in the video, I apologize. Or in this episode of the podcast. That's another thing I want to say. If you folks are only subscribed to the uh, audio-only podcast here, uh, and you're only ever been used to listening to me, uh, there might be some benefit to subscribing to The Last Symptom on YouTube and Rumble so that you can actually see me and feel like you're sitting with me and we're having this discussion. But did you catch what I just said? Often, in the case of healthy people, because they're basing their decisions on principle and not on their feelings, many times their decisions will actually contradict their feelings. The decisions they arrive at will actually go against the feelings they're experiencing. And compare that to an unhealthy person. What do you get with an unhealthy person instead? What you get instead is people listening to their feelings, making decisions based on feelings, and disregarding principle, or disregarding reason, or disregarding critical thought, because their feelings are making all the decisions. Not them, but their feelings. Which one do you think gets you into trouble more often? Somebody who makes their decisions based on their feelings, or somebody who makes decisions based on principle, or based on reason, or based on critical thought? Healthy people make decisions not based on what they feel, but based on principle. And oftentimes, that requires them to make decisions that go against feelings. The person looks out the window, sees the cat that's hurt or injured or sick, and because of principle, goes out, gets the cat, brings it in, and nurses it back to health. Uh, their feelings might be, I don't want another pet, I don't like cats, and uh, there's nothing, I don't want that dirty mangy thing in my house. But principle, the poor thing is suffering. The right thing for me to do is to do all I can to help it out. See, that's principle, not feelings. And in this example I just gave, 
the person going out and getting the cat and bringing it inside the house, what are they doing? They're because they're basing their decision on principle, they're ignoring their feelings. Uh, they're they're pushing their feelings aside and saying principle takes priority here. It doesn't matter if I don't want a mangy thing in my house. It doesn't matter if I don't like cats. I'm basing my decision on principle, so the cat is coming in, I'm going to take care of it. There's no such thing in the real world as some feeling that is more important than critical thought or principle. And you're being lied to constantly in the media today. In uh, Disney is lying to you constantly. Disney actually has been lying to you about this since you were a little baby. Painting the notion that you should always follow your heart. That your feelings are what you should give priority to. It's a lie. It's an unhealthy lie t- told by unhealthy people. Uh, love songs. Almost all the songs you hear. on It's not all songs. But it's all popular songs. For sure. I, I, have, I don't think I've ever heard a pop song that expresses healthy notions in this regard as far as (laughs) ignoring what you feel in favor of principle. Now, I know that not everybody in my audience is religious or God-fearing. I don't want to alienate that part of my audience. At the same time, being realistic, there are people who are God-fearing and religious, and there are certain things specific to their situation that have to be addressed too. And one thing I'd like to point out is that when we think about feelings, it's it's interesting to point out that God did not invent feelings when he invented you and me. So when he created human beings, that was not the, the, the invention of feelings did not happen then. Feelings have always existed. And this is really fascinating to me. How do we know that feelings have always existed? Because God himself feels and God himself has always existed. That's fascinating to me, a fascinating thought, that the same types of feelings that you and I experience, these are things that God himself experiences and has always experienced. So when he created us in his image, you see, then he really was just gifting us something that he has always had, which are feelings. But forget about some emotion. You think about the fact that God has emotions, right? He's got feelings. Do you think that God prioritizes his feelings over everything else? Of course not. In real life, in healthy real life, there is no such thing as some feeling or some emotion that exceeds all other things of importance. There is no such thing. That is a ridiculous, false Disney propaganda. Talk about love for a second. Love is not a feeling. (laughs) So not only do healthy people not make decisions based on their feelings, but some things that unhealthy people identify as feelings, healthy people identify differently. Love is not a feeling. Love is a quality, and it's actually, it's just a profound, it's profound respect and admiration with the helping of affection and loyalty, guided by what? Guided by principle, not by feelings. 
Does that mean that authentic love does not also come with it feelings or that feelings are not involved at all? No, it doesn't mean that. Of course, feelings are involved. Feelings are involved in everything we do. But what I'm telling you is that love in and of itself is not just a feeling. What did we say it was? A quality. Love is a quality. And as a quality, what sorts of things does that, what is that quality made up of? It's made up of profound respect and admiration, affection and loyalty, guided by principle. See, we keep coming back to principle. People who genuinely love another are loyal to those they love because of principle, not because of their feelings. Love is not restricted by sentiment. How do we know? Because of the way genuine love behaves. <clears throat> you see, genuine love doesn't hesitate to even hurt a person if that hurt is necessary for their best long-term well-being. Back to God. God is love, yet he doesn't violate his own healthy laws and principles for sentiment. Not ever. So I, I reckon that that's a good way of saying it. Love is not sentiment. Love is a quality based on principle, and it also involves respect, admiration, affection. Loyalty is a big part of authentic love. But think about that. God is love, yet he doesn't violate his own healthy laws and principles for sentiment, not ever. Can that be said for you? I'd like to remind you of my ex-wife, Diana. She loved me, and yet... What did that love ultimately require her to do based on principle? What it ultimately required her to do was separate from me and then ultimately divorce me. Why did she completely ignore her feelings and do such a thing? Because of principle. The principle being, I want to do what's best for us both in the long term. What is best for our emotional, physical, mental, spiritual health in the long run and make a decision based on that which requires me to ignore my feelings I you know I say this from the perspective of her thought process so something profound for you to think about moving forward are you making decisions based on your feelings because if you're doing that then you're not in control your feelings are your feelings will say do something or this is the best way to handle this thing and and you just will. Are you living that way or are you making decisions based on principle? Do you understand what principles are? What principles are involved? Why it's the only healthy way to make to arrive at conclusions and make decisions based on principle and not your feelings. So that might be uh, something for you to work on moving forward is to really try to understand principle, uh, how it helps us live a healthy life, uh, how it's principle, not feelings, that uh, are the healthy way to make decisions in life, and how this often requires us to 
make decisions that are contrary to our feelings in order to get the healthiest and best result. There was a meme that I saw on social media the other day. It was a, a young girl, well, a young adult woman standing and holding a sign that said, my worth is not based on my sexual history. And uh, somebody replied to it. A guy replied to that meme. So can you, you see, can you see it in your imagination? The girl's standing there. She's holding a sign says, my worth is not based on my sexual history. And the guy in the comments answers, if a pair of shoes have already had 10 different owners, then those shoes aren't worth the same as when they were new. So I asked my group, why is the guy wrong and the girl right? Why is the girl right and the guy wrong? In other words, why is the girl correct when she says, my worth is not based on my sexual history. And why is the guy wrong when he says, when he compares her to a pair of shoes? And while we're thinking about that, I'd like to ask you this. Is the girl right in saying that her worth is not based on her sexual history? Because as people, we can just do whatever we want to do in life, live without any morals, live without any ethics, live without any standards, and not have it affect our overall worth? Some of you might catch what I just did there. Others of you might not. But to give you a hint, I used the term overall worth. I posted this to our group. I asked everybody to analyze it and give me their feedback, what they thought. And lots of people correctly pointed out that the answer to the first question as far as the shoes go, is that the guy is comparing the woman to shoes. And that is a dead giveaway that the person leaving that comment does not live with an understanding that the value people have as people is not modeled after the same value system from where shoes get their value. So she's saying my sexual History doesn't determine my worth. And he goes, yeah, but sure it does. Because if you've got a pair of shoes and lots of people have owned those shoes and then at the end, the shoes have less value than, than they did at the beginning. And what he's doing there is he's comparing two things that of two completely different natures. So what applies to shoes doesn't apply to people. Because as people, our value comes from what we are. We are human beings. We call that the inherent value system type. Shoes work on the commercial value system type. In other words, the value of shoes really does come down to how many people want that pair of shoes, what people think of those shoes. But that doesn't apply to people. Can you imagine this guy? That he doesn't know that. He doesn't know for example, that his kids, their value works differently than a pair of shoes. And he displays this, this complete ignorance for the world to see. That's how much he doesn't know that the value of shoes works completely differently than the value of people. That's the only reason he would blurt that out with such confidence in himself. 
So imagine what that means for himself and what it means for all the people he cares about in his life. His wife, he himself, his children, his parents, his friends, they're all worthless unless they're generating a certain amount of admiration from other people. And even then, all these people in his life, including himself, are still worthless based on that thinking because the value only exists in the imaginary people's admiration. It doesn't exist in the people themselves. The value does not reside in any individuals themselves. The value is in what people think. Back to the woman in the meme, and she's proudly holding up this sign, my value isn't determined by my sexual history. She's still right, but we need to ask ourselves, does this mean that we can just live any way we want, do anything we want to do, live without any morals or standards or ethics whatsoever, and not have our worth affected? And that brings us back to the term I threw on you just a few minutes ago, which is overall worth. So here we've often talked about inherent value or worth. Now I want to introduce you to another concept, which I call overall worth. And this is the worth that you have in all the different roles of your life combined with your inherent worth as a person. So let's say it like this. As a human being, I have inherent value based on what I am. That value, however, does not carry over to my role as a baseball player. Why not? Because my role as a baseball player is conditional, meaning that it is conditional on how well I play baseball. So you see how in there's one type of worth for me based on what I am, but then there's another type of worth based on the role I play in life as a baseball player or as a janitor or as anything else. We can actually analyze those things completely separately, can't we? I can analyze your value as a human being, and then I can completely separate that in my mind and then just look at you as a baseball player. And I can say, let's see, what is uh, Mr. Barnett's value as a baseball player? Somebody in the room says, "Uh, sir, I'd like to remind you he has inherent worth as a human being. Yeah, yeah, okay, I know that, but... Right now, I'm just trying to make a decision about whether to hire him to join our team or not. How is his value as a person going to help me determine whether or not I want him to join our baseball team or not? The type of value I'm going to analyze for that decision has nothing to do with his inherent value as a person. What I'm trying to decide is how good is he as a baseball player? What's his value to us as a baseball player? Do you see how that type of worth then is not unconditional. What is the only type of unconditional worth that we can accurately talk about when we're talking about people? The only type of in, uh, unconditional value or unconditional, unconditional worth is the worth that we have that is inherent to us. And what type of worth is that? That's our inherent value as people, as human beings, as what we are. And again, uh, when I'm a baseball player, I'm not. 
that's not inherently what I am. It's a role I'm playing in life. So if you think about the fact that this guy, this baseball player, this imaginary baseball player we're talking about, he might be a baseball player, he might be a father, he might be a husband, a son, and all these things. Which, when you're considering his value, his overall value, what are you considering? You're taking into consideration his value as a father, his value as a baseball player, value as a son, value as a husband, and his inherent value as a person, that is to say what he is. And you're, you're looking at it all together. Now, keeping that in mind, that you can look at a person and consider all of their value together, including their inherent value, can a person's overall value go up or down? The answer is yes. Your inherent value cannot. Your inherent value for what you are, you're a human being, it just is what it is all the time. Nothing can affect it. But when you combine that with all the other types of value that you have in your life, and we combine that all together and we look at your worth in general, overall, can it go up and down? Yes, it can because your value as a baseball player can go down. It's conditional. It's based on how well you play baseball. Your value as a son can go down. Why is that? Because it's based on how good of a son you are. Your value as a father can go down. Why is that? Because if you're abusive and selfish and you only care about yourself and you're a terrible father, you're, you don't have much value as a father. How about your value as a husband? You're a cheat. You spend all the money. You gamble it all away. You abuse your wife or your husband. Can it be said that your, your value as a husband is just fantastic no matter what? No, it's conditional. It's conditional on how well you fulfill your role as a husband, as a father, as a son, as a baseball player. Can your value as a human being fluctuate? No, that's inherent. All these other types of value are not inherent to you. They're conditional. When we talk about your worth as a human being, that's unconditional because it's it's inherent to you. It can't be affected by any thing. So we often talk about inherent value, but it's important to understand that there's such a thing as overall value. And this is important, too, for people who are religious or people who are God-fearing because they're trying to consider um, God's view on the thing, right? When God looks down and he looks at me and he looks at my life and everything, how does he feel about me? What is his what is his attitude toward me? What does he think about me? Now, you think about the girl in the meme. Let's say that she's lived a really promiscuous life, and she's still holding up that sign, my worth is not determined by my sexual history. Are we talking about your inherent worth? If we're talking about your inherent worth, absolutely right, right? Because your inherent worth as a human being can't be affected. It doesn't fluctuate. It's not based on anything you do or don't do. It's based on what you are. So she's right when we're talking about inherent worth. Now, when we're talking about overall worth, is she still right? Imagine there's an ultimate authority looking down upon her, standing there holding that sign. Does he agree with her? The answer is he does. And... I'll tell you why. Now, when I originally wrote this, I waited for this reveal until the very end of the outline. But I'm going to, because this is a different format, I'm going to give you the reveal now. 
why does the ultimate authority, even though he has morals and standards in place that he expects people to follow, why when looking down at her, this very promiscuous woman who's holding a sign that says my value is not based on my sexual history, why would that ultimate authority or God in my case and in many other people's case cases, why would he be looking down upon that agreeing with her? Why do we know that he would be agreeing with her? Very simply, it's because of this. History is in the past. It's not now, and it's not tomorrow. History is in the past. It's not now, and it's not tomorrow. So, do you see why she's still right? Even if if we take into consideration moral factors, standards set by some ultimate authority, she's still right. Why is she still right? Because the sign is talking about her history, the past. It's not talking about what she's doing right now or what she's going to do tomorrow. So remember that as you work on yourself. Whatever is history is history. It's in the past. And remind yourself of this too. We're not judged based on what we've done. If we're not judged based on what we've done, what are we judged based on? We're judged based on what we're doing right now or not doing right now and what we choose to do or not do moving forward. Remember, this is a the issue I have with my, my father. My father thinks I'm mad about what he, he's done. I'm not mad about what he's done. I'm mad about what he is not doing now, what he could and should be doing now, but he's not doing. It's not because of what he did. It's because of what he's not doing. So you remember what I just said? Whatever's history is history. It's in the past. We aren't judged based on what we've done. We're, ba- we're judged based on what we're doing now or not doing now and what we choose to do or not do moving forward. So even if you take into consideration moral factors and stuff like that, the girl standing there with the sign that says, my worth is not based on my sexual history, she's still correct. It's not saying that everything she did was okay and fine. It just means that we're talking about the past. We're not talking about what she's doing right now or what she is going to be doing tomorrow and then the years and days to come. You remember I said we were going to be talking about balance and things? This is what I wanted to talk about. A lot of people see that meme and they would think, yeah, everybody, I'm, I'm okay no matter what I do, no matter what choices I make, no matter what even if there is an ultimate authority or God, then God just has to accept, God just accepts me the way I am. And I don't have to do anything. I don't have to try. I don't have to live by any standards. I don't have to follow any set of morals or ethics or anything. Whatever I do is okay. And my value remains the same no matter what I do. Is that true? The answer is no, it's not true. And anybody living with that attitude, like, well, everything I do is okay. People just got to accept it. And I got to love myself, uh, you know, no matter uh, the same, no matter what I do and stuff like that uh, is not is not accurate. 
That is an attitude that believes that life, that a healthy life can be led without any boundaries, conditions, or consequences. And it's an absurd notion. So the balance then is finding where the line is. Where's the line from permissiveness that separates permissiveness from um, unreasonable expectations? There has to be a, a balance point, right? Like the teeter-totter we always talk about or the seesaw, some of you call it. Where, what is the balance point? Where's the line where here I'm being too demanding of myself and not forgiving enough and on this other side, I'm being too permissive. It's like anything goes. Anything goes, I'm fine the way I am no matter what. I don't have to worry about anything. It, it comes down to this concept of overall value and inherent value. And being able to separate those things in your mind and understand that they're two different things. Inherent value doesn't give us a license to think and live and do whatever we want without any regard for any laws or norms or standards. So I think a lot of people, when they hear me talking about inherent worth, you have inherent worth, you have inherent value. They take that too far. They say, well, okay. Well, then what that means is that no matter what I do is fine. I don't have to work on myself. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to have any expectations for myself. And that's not true. It, to say that a thing has inherent value does not mean that it can't and shouldn't suffer consequences or be tolerated indefinitely or that it doesn't have anything to work on because remember although you might have inherent value as a human being does not mean that you have unconditional value as a husband as a son as a servant of God as a janitor as a teacher as a baseball player because then we're starting to talk about your overall value. Uh, I don't know if it's in this outline or not, but I, I had mentioned to somebody the other day, uh, people, they, they put people to death all the time by capital punishment. Criminals, murderers and rapists and those sorts of things, put them to death all the time. Justly so, fairly so. As a consequence of their own decisions and persistent attitudes and behaviors. Does it mean that they didn't have inherent value? Yes, they, they did have an inherent they did have inherent value, and it's a shame that they had to suffer those consequences. But they did. Why did they? Because of their own choices, because of their own refusal to change or to work on themselves and those sorts of things. So this this notion that your inherent value, because you have inherent worth, is going to shield you from consequences is absurd. So it would be a good idea for you to be honest with yourself and ask yourself, is this, is this what I've been thinking all along when we've been having these discussions about my inherent value? Have I been walk, walking around thinking that because I have inherent value that this is what that means, that I can just do whatever I want? I need not have any expectations for myself. That an ultimate authority or God does not have any expectations of me. Did I think 
that I would not ever suffer any consequences, that I uh, could not be held to any consequences because I have inherent value. Have I been walking around thinking that? Have I been walking around thinking that because God loves me and he recognizes my inherent value, that I don't have to live up to any standards or norms or morals? Because if that has been your thinking, you're thinking about it all wrong. You're, you're still twisting the concept in an unhealthy way. I don't allow my daughter to behave any way she wants just because I recognize her inherent value as a person. No, I, I hold her to firm expectations and standards. Guess who else I do this for? Myself. I hold myself to firm expectations and standards. My daughter's value as a person just is what it is. Remember, when uh, we're talking about your value as a person, we're talking about your value, your inherent value, your, your, your value as a human being, as what you are, your person. So my daughter's value as a person is inherent to her. It is what it is. Her value as a daughter depends on how well she behaves as a daughter. Is she obedient? Does she follow instruction? Does she treat me with respect? You see, these things determine how good of a daughter she is. To live up poorly to her role as a daughter does not have any effect on her human value. Because as we've already mentioned, nothing can affect our value as people. Why? Because that value is based on what we are, not on a role of ours in life or on how well we do a thing. What about my value as a father? If I'm abusive and neglectful and I only care about myself, does my inherent value as a person make up for that? Does it stand in for it? No, we're two different things. My value as a father is something that has to be earned. It's conditional. My value as a person is not. And I can't take my value as a person and apply it to, uh, you know, I, it, it doesn't substitute for my value as a father. So what I'm saying is if I'm a terrible father, I only care about myself. I'm abusive. It's not like I, my inherent value then fills in for my failures as a father. It's not like somebody looks at me and goes, well, he is a terrible father, but his inherent value as a person makes up for it. It's not the way that works. How do I earn my value as a father? I do it in how well I fulfill my role as a father. So think about that. Being a father is a role. It's not what I inherently am. Being a person is not a role. That is what I inherently am. Now, imagine an ultimate power or an ultimate authority. God in my case. You know, this is something you have to do in Alcoholics Anonymous and in just about every other recovery program. So I'm not asking anything here that is out of the ordinary. This ultimate authority would necessarily have the right to have firm expectations and standards for us to live by. These expectations and standards and this ultimate authority's way of viewing us and dealing with us, by the way, can't violate healthy laws and principles of emotional health. What does that mean? Well, one of the things it means is that this ultimate authority couldn't just say, hey, it's, all, it's a free-for-all. 
I have no expectations for you. You can live any way you want. No standards, no norms, no expectations whatsoever. You guys make it up for yourselves and just live however you want to live. Think about that. People who present God in that light would like you to believe that God lives with no boundaries, conditions, or consequences at all. He has no expectations for us. But can that be true? Think about it. I can't be healthy if I live with that sort of attitude toward myself. Think about it. It's the result. All of my problems in life are the result, my past problems, I should say, are the result of having lived that way. I don't understand boundaries. I don't live with any conditions or consequences toward myself. What does that lead to? It only leads to disorder and unhappiness. How about my role as a father? Can I raise healthy children as a father if that is my view toward my children? No boundaries, no consequences, no conditions, no expectations, no standards. You guys just do whatever you want to do. It's impossible. It's impossible. That only leads to disorder and unhealth and misery. So what's the only way to be healthy? What's the only way for me to be healthy in my attitude toward myself? The only way is that I live with boundaries, conditions, consequences. In other words, expectations that I have for myself that I hold myself to. And we're going to talk here in just a minute about how you arrive at what what is reasonable and healthy as far as your expectations toward yourself and towards others. Is it good for children when their parents don't care, don't have any expectations, you just do whatever you want to do? Is that good for them? No, it's damaging for them. It, it, it causes them to grow up and be disordered and unhappy and miserable. They don't get along in society. Does it mean that they're, they don't have inherent value? They have inherent value. Their inherent value can't make up for their overall value to society. It doesn't step in and fill the absence of value in other aspects of life as reg- in regards to a contribution to society. These sorts of permissive attitudes towards ourselves, towards our children as parents, you know, as us as parents towards our children, is not good for us, it's not good for them. So is it reasonable to think, then, that any ultimate authority, God for some of us, would also view it as being okay for humans to just live any way we want and do whatever we want without any expectations or standards or norms? Of course not. Here's something interesting to keep in mind. Free will means the freedom to make our own choices. What does it not mean? It does not mean the freedom to choose for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. Does that make sense? Free will means the freedom to make our own choices. It does not mean the freedom to choose for ourselves what is right and wrong. Do you understand that? What does it mean? It means we get to choose if we're going to live in a way that is right or wrong, but we don't get to choose for ourselves what is right and wrong. 
Emotional health is built upon a balance of holding oneself to firm expectations and standards while at the same time being realistic and allowing for imperfection and those sorts of things. It's like that teeter-totter or that seesaw. And emotional health is finding the balance point, the line that separates the two. I'm going to tell you again in just a second the formula for what expectations you should be living with or how to determine which expectations to set up on yourself and upon others. But keep in mind that emotional health is not possible. It's not possible in any scenario that involves people just being able to live however they want and do whatever they want with no rules. The belief that an ultimate authority or God will just tolerate us indefinitely no matter how we behave or live, or that he will not hold us to consequences simply because he recognizes our inherent value as people is patently false. And it, there are a lot of people lying to you about that out there. God can value us inherently as people and at the same time, unfortunately, have to allow consequences or even bring upon us consequences if we choose persistently to live outside his standards and laws. This is no different than the laws in your neighborhood, right? You live in a community. There are laws. If you're going to be a valuable member of that society, what do you got to do? You got to live by the law, right? You got to obey the law. You have to contribute to society in a positive way, not be fighting against it. What will happen if you're fighting against the law persistently? You will be removed from society. This is, this is normal. This is healthy. It's, it's a life based on the recognition of free will. In other words, you, you can choose. You can choose what choices to make in your life. But there will be consequences. There will be, you have to meet conditions for certain things, and there will be consequences for your choices. Consequences, by the way, we often think about those as being negative, but they, they can be positive too. Um, what's the consequence of me lifting weights every day? I go down in my basement, I pump weights every day. Will I suffer a consequence for that? Yeah, I'll get stronger and more muscular. So... When we're talking about consequences, it's not just a negative thing. We, especially when we're unhealthy, we think we hear that word consequence. Oh my gosh, consequence! I hate the I hate the sound of that. But if you keep in mind that consequences can also be positive, it might help you readjust your perspective on the thing. If I'm very disciplined and I, I eat healthy, and I avoid things that are unhealthy, will I suffer a consequence? Yeah, I'll be healthy. Terrible, isn't it? <laughs> so you see, it works both ways. Consequence is just the result, the natural result of, of a certain course of behavior or thinking or whatever. So when you think, when you start thinking, well, God, God's gonna punish me for something that I persist in doing that goes contrary to His norms and standards. Well, that's cruel. Well, if you think that way, you should remind yourself that health and contentment cannot exist for anybody 
absent boundaries, conditions, and consequences. We have to live by it. The world operates that way, and in order to be healthy, it has to operate that way. And yes, an ultimate authority would also have to live that way. Why? Because an ultimate authority would not be unhealthy. God is not unhealthy. Why is he not unhealthy? Because he lives by the laws and principles of emotional health. Now, back to this woman standing there with the sign saying, my worth is not based on my sexual history. Should you see that meme, and even though she's right, should the message you take away from it be, I can do whatever I want and my value will not be affected? No. No. If, you're taking, if you see a meme like that and that's the message you're taking away from it, you need to do more thinking about it. The reason she's right is because her value as a human being is inherent to her. Number two, because she's talking about her sexual history. The things she's done in the past. She's not talking about the things she's doing now or the things she will be doing moving forward. But if somebody were to see that meme and to think that the message is that we can just do whatever we want and her decisions don't matter and her lifestyle doesn't matter, that's false. Now here, I told you that I would tell you um, how to know what expectations for yourself are reasonable, uh, not just for yourself, but for others also. So how do you know? Is this an expectation I should have or is this an expectation I should not have toward other people and toward myself? Here's the simple formula. So if you want to write this down, make a note of this. Here's how you determine what firm expectations are reasonable to have towards others and toward yourself. Here you go. If a thing is necessary for good health, now notice I just say good health. I don't say good emotional health. I'm talking about anything. If it's good for uh, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your mental health, your physical health. If a thing is necessary for good health in all of its manifestations. If a thing is necessary for good health, and a person is capable of that thing, then that thing must be the expectation a person is held to. Does it work when we look out at people in our lives, right? Like your husband? Does that work if you're looking at your husband and saying, what expect, what, what expectations um, should I reasonably have for my husband? Does it work? Yes. You look at him and you say, what is necessary for his good physical health? And what is he capable of doing for his good physical health? That's my expectation for him. Does it uh, work when we apply it to ourselves? Yes. We look at ourselves. We say, uh, is this thing necessary for my good emotional health? Am I capable of doing that thing? Then that's the expectation. I hold myself to. So that's the formula. You get it? How to set reasonable firm expectations. If a thing is necessary for good health and a person is capable of that thing, then that is the expectation to live with. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoy the end of the year. We've uh, got a new year coming up and like a fresh new piece of paper, right? We can draw whatever we want on that. 
within our power. I hope that however you folks uh, spend the next couple of weeks, you do it in a safe way, you have a good time, but you stay safe, and that when we come back here and have the next episode of this show, you guys will all be doing good. And All right, so uh, nice seeing you here. Thanks for listening. Take care. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.